G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Family Voice Australia and National Director Charles Newington joining us again today. Hello Charles, welcome back to 2020. Thank you Neil, lovely to be back. Charles, love getting your insights into so many issues. Let's talk about some of those that have been in the media this past week, quite a bit on freedom of speech and especially uh, the response of universities. What have you been monitoring? Uh, yes, it's interesting to see that um, uh, that the governing bodies of universities are starting to talk about this and recognise the fact that they need to look afresh at how they manage the uh, regularity with which leftist activists, in particular, are shutting down or drowning out opinions they don't they don't agree with. And um, I think that um, freedom of speech issues, you know, have come back on the radar and they are very very important. But it's important for us to remember, particularly people, Christian people, that that the long history of freedom of speech reaches right the way back into history. And uh, I'm thinking particularly about the 16th century, you know, the time of the Reformation and for quite a while afterwards where uh, the, the right to express or to practice one's, uh, one's convictions, one's faith, one's, uh, to even talk about what one believed was, uh, was very uh, limited to uh, by Protestants and dissenters and we'll remember those that were burned at the stake and those sorts of issues. Uh, because at the time the the dominant uh, uh, governments were 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 Catholic um, in their persuasion, and um, the thing is that we've learned from those experiences. Uh, that when I say we, I mean uh, the church and Western societies. We've learned uh, that the freedoms are so important; they are to be highly valued, but they have to be valued not just for us as a uh, as they say the 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 dominant majority or uh, uh, the elitists or whatever the values that we appreciate in terms of freedom of speech and conscience and religion and these things these are to be valued for all of us and um, there's always a process in play here of, of of a majority or an orthodoxy tending to assume that it can control these things and and they're being pushed back and um, and that that goes on, you know, throughout history. You get this pushback where society says, "No, no, no, that's too, uh, you know, you're kind of making life too difficult for minorities and things like that." Charles, somehow or other, this idea of taking God out of the picture uh, leaves you with uh, people who are in conflict with one another and uh, the idea of might making right. And while we're not seeing bloodshed uh, by way of some of these contentious things that we're seeing on our university campuses, uh, there's certainly violence involved uh, and there's certainly not going to be an easy response to this because of the prevailing left-wing progressivist attitudes in our universities. So it won't be a matter of just uh, perhaps, uh, you know, making a new regulation, uh, having some balance. Uh, there are real challenges ahead for universities. 
Yes, you're right. I, I mean, th there is a, a process of escalation that takes place, you know, and you can see that it's actually, it's kind of staged, isn't it? You can see that the level of escalation is staged and it is moving in, in that direction to kind of, um, uh, to kind of provoke or inflame reaction from one's target, you know, so that they can then be blamed that they, they swung the first punch, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, and then before we know where we are, um, violence becomes um, uh, becomes the next level of escalation. And uh, one of the great escalations that occurs here is that that you you, you kind of get sort of rightist uh, positions, you know, who who say, well, we've got to give them their same medicine, you know. Before you know where you are, you've got these kind of conflicts going on that we see in Europe and the United States, which is so un Australian, you know. And the last thing we want is these right left conflicts. Um, taking place on our streets and in our university campuses. And we need to recognise that this this must be nipped in the bud, um, both from a, a point of view of um, government and the, the governing bodies of universities, but also the Christian church needs to see that it has a role in this because we are a moderating influence. And um, we have to recognise that we are a moderating influence and that we must not invest ourselves too heavily in the extremes, you know, because really that investment is self-interested. You know, we we are here for the common good. We're not just here for our particular religious uh, particularity. I think there's such wisdom in what you're saying, Charles, because where you've got extremes on the left or extremes on the right, uh, and that's you know extreme progressive, extreme uh, conservative in that sense of uh, rightist uh, values. When you've got extremes, uh, you've got real problems. And as a Christian, you say, where am I supposed to fit in all of this? Uh, spectrum of left and right and there is a sense isn't there that uh, we try to put ourselves outside of uh, that spectrum and uh, as I like your words become a moderating force for what is happening yeah. with the conflict that's going on between the two yes think of the language of Jesus where he says blessed are the peacemakers you know these are people that are engaged in conflict <laughs> They're engaged to reduce it, to minimise it, to to, to to personalise it in the sense that, uh, you know, people, the, the political positions that people adopt are actually just their own emotional and psychological experiences writ large. You know, because they feel that they've been victimised by something or other, you know, their family or the government or something like that, they then take that victimisation and they politicise it. And it's so often the case that when you when you sort of take a psychological view or a spiritual view of even the great, um, you know, uh, monsters of, of history, you, you know, usually it roots back to a personal grudge or a personal vendetta that's just been inflated uh, into a political cause. And, and so... So often, you know, this this could be uh, this could be changed. You know, uh, one of the fascinating things about the Anzac uh, tradition that we don't realise is that uh, Adolf Hitler was on the other side of that and was nearly shot. He just he was nearly shot, <laughs> but he survived that, and uh, and history took the course that it took. Wow! And isn't that amazing? You know, <laughs> uh, and uh, I think to myself. Um, uh, how many, uh, how different history would have been if somebody had reached him um, spiritually, you know, to reached his heart, and uh, and and the people that do that are are are, are people who know and understand the importance 
uh, of uh, the redemptive work of Christ. And, and you reinforce too, Charles, that when we talk discipleship, we're not just talking one-on-one, uh, neither are we talking the leader, say a pastor of a group, but we're also talking about the way we are involved in discipleship of a nation because, oh, as you say, the, the influence that comes uh, from Christian-level leadership uh, is yeah. in discipleship and may well head off uh, some of those uh, real extremes uh, at the bud. Uh, let me just oh, yeah. let me just ask you because let's bring this into what we would see as we look at our political parties because there's development that's happened which is yeah. certainly significant that is the Labor senator Kimberly Kitching uh, yeah. she's endeavoring to set up some level of bipartisan group uh, that defends western liberal democratic values and there is a sense here uh, that uh, that this is not something you expect from the Labor side, but uh, there might be some motives in that, and uh, it could be a moderating force in, in what's pushing the Labor Party so far left. What are your thoughts yeah. in those developments? Well, it's interesting, you know, Greg Brown, when he writes his article, he is very clear to quote specifically that she says Judeo-Christian Western liberal democracy. And she stressed that it was Judeo-Christian Western liberal democracy, not just Western liberal democracy, which others, on the other side of politics, just you know they preferred that language but her point we may presume not just from the wider literature the fact that she's familiar with the wider literature that the contribution of the old and new testament that's the judeo-christian teaching thing are absolutely essential towards to western liberal democracy they are the political system depends entirely upon the cultural underlay within which it's formulated the things that are, that are that you cannot always write into law but that are cultivated in the society that become normal in in the homes and the institutions like the schools and the churches that teach people the respect for persons and property, for authority, for the institutions of government, rule of law, and things like this. These things, these cultural assumptions are not a kit that everybody's born with. Uh, they, have, they are learned. They, 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 are, they are observed. They are, they are practiced by others and they set the tone within which a political system operates and what's happening in our society is that it's a bit like the polar reversal stuff that scientists talk about that occurs at times in the gravitational field of the earth it's it, we're seeing something like that where there's kind of a flip in values and what we used to think of as good is now thought of as evil and what we used to think of as evil is now thought of as good and things like heterosexuality and biological genders are now viewed as repressive social constructs that oppose those who seek to redefine themselves by other clearly socially constructed secular and gender identities. They're obviously not biological, but they're, 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 they're identities that they're formed out of a sense of ideology. So this kind of radicalism, you know, is the, the thing she's talking about when she says, don't forget the Judeo-Christian thing, the thing that talks about fact as fact and truth as truth and doesn't allow ideology to transform law and social attitudes and values. And uh, so I don't think, I mean, I'm so pleased it's come from the left, actually, because um, um, I, if it had come from the centre or the right, it would have been ignored, but it can't be ignored when it's come from the left. Well, that's right. Uh, Kimberly Kitching, she's uh, an Australian lawyer, she's a trade unionist, and mm. she's a politician. She's a senator mm. in the Australian mm. Labor Party. And that's, mm. as we say, that is what is making this so significant, uh, that mm. there is some recognition in there that unless you have some level of bipartisan an agreement about where our uh, our democracy has come from, uh, then 
somehow or other you're just going to get people pushing off on these extremes. And this may be a really good moderating group if it gets off the ground. Now, the group is called uh, is it the Defence of Democratic Institutions Parliamentary Friendship Group. Uh, yeah. It's a long, yeah. long name, but uh, certainly yeah. has some good, good potential. Yes, well, I, I like the term friendship group. You know, what they're saying is this has to be bipartisan. And what she's signalling there is she's signalling the tone of conversation. This is not intended to be an adversarial uh, slanging match. You know, it's about saying how do we how do we work to make sure that our or our institutions continue to work because they are in danger. This is the thing that the institutions, the great institutions of government and law, these are in danger. We recognise they're in danger because of the change in cultural values. Look, I know we're limited by time. I just wanted to make a comment about the free speech thing is that how it's helped me to think about, you know, the free speech as speech that makes you free. Yep. In, in some aspect of our soul and personality, and it brings us to Jesus' words, you will know the truth and the truth, truth will make you free. You'll be able to discern the truth. In other words, what's real, not what's, what's um, y- you know, constructed, but what's actually real. And it will make you free of the delusions, the deceits and the ignorance that have held you as its slaves. Uh, so, one, you, sorry, just going to take on one quick other comment from you before I have to let you go, because we are running out of time. There's been some leaks from the Ruddock yeah. review into religious freedom this uh, past yeah. few days, and uh, people are talking about it, and uh, the left is going crazy over it uh, so far as their thoughts on what schools might do uh, with people who are homosexual. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on some of those leaks? And, of course, it's not the, uh, the final document, but perhaps the leak uh, is intentionally putting out an aspect of what might be in the final document. Your thoughts, Charles? Well, it's interesting. Rodney Croom, you know, you know, who's been an advocate for uh, for same-sex ideas. He he's an, uh, he's done this kind of polar reversal. He said that what what's been going on in this is that this is a kind of a a revenge act um, because of the loss of the same-sex marriage vote. You know, he's he's framing it as a revenge act when in fact it's not a revenge act. You know that. Uh, Mark Fowler, a, uh, a lawyer, makes the observation that protection against discrimination on the basis of religious belief is the missing piece in the constellation of Australian equality legislation. In other words, of the five main equality rights that are recognised in international law, uh, to which Australia is a signatory, that's uh, race, age, disability, sex and religion, only religion fails to receive protection in Commonwealth law. So it, it, it's not that it's not uh, that we're just being nasty here or being petty. It, it, the issue is that the, the religious freedoms are real freedoms. They're real concerns that hold a society in balance. And uh, I, I, I think that it's a good thing that this has come up, but it's a complicated thing. It is good and it is complicated. And when that report is finally released, the government's response to the Ruddock review into religious freedom, no doubt we'll have plenty of conversation and commentary that will uh, yeah. fill in our listeners from a Christian point of view on what that means uh, for religious freedom. Charles Newington, great to get your insights as always. And I look forward to our next catch-up. Let me point people to the Family Voice Australia website, fava.org.au. Charles Newington, National Director of Family Voice. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today, Charles. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. 
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.